Hello and welcome to the Counterpress Podcast. I am your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me all the way from the Philippines once again is Josh Cacho. Josh, how you doing? Yeah, I mean, I can't complain. I feel a little bit more stiff, a little bit more old, but you know, if Ilya <laughs> can is, do it, it I can Josh's do it. It is Josh's birthday. Happy birthday, Josh. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, like, uh, you know, it, it's definitely all around this time is always that first game back. So it's always a nice birthday present to me to be able to go watch the first game. The, mm. the first game of the season is always around that time. So um, it's definitely good to see the boys back in action. Great to see, um, you know, them, them look, pick up where they, le- not where they left off, obviously, because we left off with a loss in the, in the cup, but yeah. Definitely looking a lot more spry, a lot more rested, something that we haven't seen in quite a bit. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it's it's good. You know, like I said, I think we were there's some questions entering the season, and I think there's definitely still more to be answered. But it's a good it's a good early entry. Yeah, I uh, I mean there there are plenty of positives to take away from this from this match. Like you said, everybody seems healthy, right? Uh, everybody seems ready to go for the season. They put away a strong Seattle side. Uh, they give up kind of a weird goal. Otherwise, it's 2-0, right? It's their seventh straight home opener win, which is a new league record. Uh, I don't. I think it's a new league record, not only for an expansion team, but just for Period. any team to go seven in a row. Um, so, I mean, they, they look good. Um, the additions to the team that actually contributed. I mean, it's really, it's just Omar Campos and uh, Hugo Lloris. Uh, I thought both looked fine. Um, and like they slotted in just like they were supposed to, you know, uh, Campos ends up with an assist in this one um, on a great strike from, from Tillman, a, a good bit of, of finishing there, not to just go ham on it. And he just, you know, puts it right where it needs to be. Um so I positive, and it's not all on the foot of Bowanga, which I think is the most positive change from last year. Now, were there plenty of games where it wasn't all on the foot of Bowanga last year? Sure. So time will tell. Uh, but I didn't feel like the attack had to run through him in the same way that it did 80% of the time last season. I don't know. Right, what do you think? Yeah, and I think, first of all, I think let's start with one of the new additions, Campos. Um yeah. I honestly didn't see a drop in quality at all from what we would ex- we had been experiencing with Cheeky. And so part of me thinks that he's actually probably further along than than Palacios was at this point. Right? That's a I think good point. Yeah. They're about they're about the same age. All right, maybe Palacios is a few years a year or two older. I think Campos is younger. I think he's Yeah. Only- he's like a, he's a U22 signing, I know for sure. I don't remember where I think how he old may Cheeky be only is. Twenty years old. Yeah, but when you when it kind of breaks down, like he looks seasoned, he looks ready for. He didn't look too. He didn't look like the moment was too big for him, um, yeah. and his service looked great. Right, I mean, he yeah. played for a good Santos Laguna squad. You know, he's a regular starter for them. Um, again, they're not a they're not a bottom feeding Liga Mekis team by any means, and so. To have him come in and and look look the part right away, definitely. I think at that point when I you see it, it definitely made me feel a lot less worried. You know, with with uh, across the board yeah. with some of the holes that we have because you know now that 
that the that the defense is going to continue to be fairly solid moving forward, right? Yeah. So, I think I think him like his ability going forward combined with Hollingshead as well, uh, who has shown that he can be both a threat in the box as well as a good uh, player in possession and uh, and kind of like a creator as well as an extra creator through the midfield. Uh, I think there are some creative things that you can do to kind of save Ilya from having to play too much and too high and recover. I think this is easily one of those things where uh, you can transition into kind of like a three, four, three ish, three, two, five, whatever it is that you want to, however you want to attack, where it's Ilya that's sitting between the center backs. And to be totally fair, like that might be the best way. Like if Aaron Long is really it this year. If he's really the guy, uh, and you're not gonna like, you're not gonna bring Segura back, um, and you're not gonna go make another signing in the in the summer for a, like a high profile center back like you did with Chiellini, then that might not be the worst way to to set up this team mm-hmm. is to have your fullbacks more engaged up like higher up the field. Ilya is sitting back much farther and kind of playing out of a back three. And you just let him distribute. Um, I think that creates some issues with Atuesta a little bit. As I, I every time I watch him play, I just it, the the dude is a six, right? And it, it's I it's not that he's a bad box to box midfielder. I just don't think you maximize what you can get out of him in that spot. So yeah, not I mean, that part they're of, always part of me thinks that you can you can go into you can potentially set up something. Similar where you have like where they run into a double pivot and then you just kind of alternate who's who's high and who's low. So again, you save yeah. you save Ilya's legs, but then at the same time, if the moment presents itself, you're also not going to you know have to keep him back the same way that we had to do through large parts of the season last year, right? right where you right. really can't just sacrifice his his positioning there. Um, I think, like I said, the depending on I think you may see similar to what we saw Kellen do at times where he kind of drops in to make to make himself available for that initial pass and then based on whoever that whoever ends up picking that ball up the other person is going to fill in the gap type of thing I, I think yeah, it may be a I little mean, bit more fluid is, yeah this is where it's all it would always be interesting to sit down with the coaching staff and pick apart like all right so when you guys are in your defensive third like who who's primarily coming back and obviously it's always going to be fluid based on what the other team is doing. Right. Uh, and how they tend to line up, how they tend to press what, you know, where, where you can typically find space. That's the whole, that's the whole thing. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be moments of double pivot, um, based on opponent and the, and what they do. Uh, but I, I do think you have plenty of versatility. It wouldn't surprise me if by the end of the season, you're looking at a Tillman Bogush and, uh, Atuesta midfield. Um, so anyway, I. Well, the thing is, everything... the drop off is probably less than it was when you would go Acosta there at the six. Right? Well, yeah, because I think because... the the profile is so much more similar between yeah Atuesta well, and Ilya, right? Because Atuesta is an actual holding midfielder, right? That's like what he is. Uh, I think Kellen Acosta did a good job for LAFC in the box to box role. Um, but he's not, you know, he's not a holding midfielder truly. So that's all. Um, 
I mean, there's not a whole lot else to talk about. Like, Matty Bogush scores an absolute banger from that left half space, which is where you want to see him operate from, right? Uh, it's where when you go back and watch film before LAFC, where he was always operating and finding success from. I feel like we've been waiting for one of these goals to finally happen in an LAFC shirt. There were plenty at Leeds and what was the Spanish side he was at? I can't remember. Uh, or was it a Portuguese side? No, it was, wasn't it? Um, what's his name? Mallorca or one of those? Oh, was it Stu Holden's team? I thought so. Okay. Could be. Yeah. Anyway, uh, plenty of highlights from him on that, you know, in that left high half space. And now we finally got an absolute banger out of him. Uh, and, I I don't hate the idea of kind of rotating strikers around. I'm people love to throw around like, oh well, Mati Bogush can just play the false nine and like the, he's really just a midfielder and it's like, oh okay, I, I get it. I get it. You can have him there playing center forward, but he's not a false nine. Like that's not how you're using him. Well, You're not the, trying to tough... shift center backs to create space for your wingers running in. Like it's not, uh, I don't know. We've had plenty of discussions about the false nine and how it's just kind of like people just throw that out there at this point, but yeah. Whatever. I mean, and the thing is he, it's, I was thinking initially when I saw him, there's like, okay, is he going to play more like Gazdag does for Philadelphia? But the problem is, is that the R2 forwards don't, are not, you know, like that being Kike and Buanga are not going to do the same things that, Philadelphia's forwards do in that same yeah, setup, yeah. right there. Uh, they're both wingers, right? They're not, they're not like just these kind of like center forward types, mm-hmm. uh, where you're just looking where one might be a striker, one might be a second striker, and then you put a ten beneath the two of them to just create um, or run run off of them because that was the that's what you see yeah, from Gazdag a lot, yeah. right? Is that they'll kind of float it up there to one of their two forwards who who allows. Gazdag to kind of run, make the run off of off of their holdup play, right? And I think here, you really, you just see him operate. You know, it's it's basically a essentially more of a flat four four two, right? With mm. with with Boanga and and Kike kind of just attacking diagonally, and Bogus just kind of fl- falls into the midfield. Well, yeah, I think I think that's the point. Is those two guys. Oliveira and, and Bowanga are guys that want to attack from wide, right? That's the big difference is uh, for, it's like we always talk about with formations. They're just kind of like a shorthand really for what you're trying to do, but you could easily attack with a front three out of like a four, four, two diamond or three, four, two, one, right. Or four, three, three you can have all the same three forwards there. It's just a matter of kind of like where they start, where you like what it is that they do. Well, are you looking for through balls out wide? Are you looking for through balls threaded into the box? Are you looking for a striker to hold up and then have a second striker run off of them? Um, are you looking to play the ball into a tens feet and have them drive at the back line and then pick whichever striker is open ahead of them? So it, it's all, it's, <laughs> It's also complicated, right? Um, because you don't know the actual game model. So it's tough to say, especially after one game, like what they're trying to do. And especially where they don't have an actual striker on the uh on the I mean, I guess I guess Tomas Angel is is an actual striker, but you know, he's still young, right? So you yeah, don't know. And we don't really know involved. to what extent he was brought in here. 
the factor yeah, and given yeah. he didn't really play at all, right? So is that a factor of him not being with the team enough? David Martinez is the big one, right? Like you really do wonder he is brought in as a high profile guy that we are where they're expecting a lot from. I do wonder now is his role going to be as a guy that plays that rotates with Kike or is he a guy that's going to play through the middle? You know, well, I mean, that's the Boanga. thing with young kids too, is you don't know, right? I mean, look at Duenas, mm-hmm. right? Like they've experimented with him plenty. Um, midfield right back. Yeah. Um, I think he played some holding mid last year, even, and you just kind of had to find where they're going to fit the best. And that changes over time, especially for 16, 17, 18 year old uh, kids. True. I mean, not even just that, like think about like some of the best players in the world. Was it like Trent at Liverpool? was a midfielder yeah. until Klopp basically told him he wasn't good enough to play in the midfield and your yeah. best bet is to go out wide and play right back. Right? And then now, right. you know, obviously he's defensive woes, you know, notwithstanding has looked... Well chronicled at this point, yeah. Yeah, but has also <laughs> been one of the best passing right backs in the world, right? Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I do wonder though if that's probably something more similar is... If you have those attack, you know, because the thing about Buanga and Kike, neither of them are guys, you know, it's not like when we had Carlos and and Brian Rodriguez there where those two want the ball at feet Mm. every single time. Buanga, obviously, if he gets it in transition, will keep the ball at his feet. But not too often do you see him coming deep and looking to make, you know, looking to like turn and distribute or something along that line. It's more like is it? I think his preference is to get over the top or pick up the ball on the half turn. Then he's off to the races. Yeah, let's pick right. up the ball at speed and go at somebody immediately. Mm-hmm. So which, which is, is a lot. It's why much different. Yeah, and it's why their style of playing so direct works so well with him, right? Yeah, um, but I do wonder have... if that now and then now if you have the you know if you have the attacking fullbacks that you do. Does it does it make sense to have a guy that's more in the middle that tends to be a little bit more Firmino esque, right? That's willing to drop in and do some of the dirty work in you know underneath, you know, because you saw Bogus leading the press. Like that was the yeah, thing that impressed just, me the most. I just don't think so. For me, again, some idiot with a microphone. Uh, if you are going to play this kind of like balls to the wall and transition uh, style, then do it and go get yourself a striker that does it just like Oliveira and, and Bowanga can. And now you really are going to keep that midfield, like that midfield protected from any encroachment, right? That's how you keep the center backs off. Not by not, you don't need to pull the center backs out of position. You just need to keep them, completely stressed out all the time right and you just let whoever's in the midfield do their thing but you're not going to be it's not going to be so tedious with lafc if they if they double down on this direct play that they did last year it's not so much that you need a fourth midfielder in the striker dropping in combining passes drawing a center back out of out of position and then playing the ball behind it's just turn the ball over catch him out boom and we're off to the races. So for me, I just want a third option up there where that's running and keeping pace with Boanga and mm. Oliveira, right? Um, and somebody that's good in those in like those transition moments to recognize 
space wherever it is. Like if Bowanga doesn't, if he takes a while to cut in uh, on a play, then he knows like I'm going to the front post, right? Or there's the center backs out of position. I'm running straight there type of thing. Um, Surprisingly, so the one that I thought fly. that did that was Campos in this mm. in this last game. Mm. So on the on the Bogus goal, if you if you go back and look at it, the space opens up because of the runs of you know where he picks it up because of the runs of Campos and Buanga, right? Buanga mm-hmm. where where he picks it up, you end up having this thing, and Buanga doesn't slow down. He runs through them, you know, across the face of goal, but then also you see Campos pull another defender off by running down down the sideline and yeah. now bogus just has acres of space to either pick a pass or to fire one in and you know you see you see him just take that that opportunity there but like i said it was that run from compost that i don't think we can discount because i don't think that we always saw that from palacios or it just wasn't respected you know yeah, in the yeah. same way right. that maybe maybe compost did because he early in this game right he hits that he hits the the cross that sets up the the first goal but yeah the way the the overlapping run that they put in on that on that goal is something you know like i said that i i think it's the the third man run that we often talk about right that wasn't happening at times it you know how many times did we talk about last year man it just seems like everyone just is it's kind of sitting around standing around that kind of thing but like i said on that play buang is the one who picks up the ball deep feeds bogus and then both of them make the run at the yeah. corresponding center back and and fullback, which now puts Bogush on the island with a defensive midfielder that's you know already on his heels. So yeah, yeah. I I do wonder, like I said, if if are you going to create some of the things that you need to with with the movement of the fullbacks that I don't think we could have done a year ago, man, or maybe just on one side with Hollingshead. Yeah, I mean, I think I think yeah, it's just another way to overload them, right? And especially if you're playing against five-man back lines or three-man back lines with wing backs, right? You're going to need fullbacks to help come in and keep the the numerical advantage in the midfield, uh, and and going forward even as those as those wing backs get back into position to defend. So I'm I I mean it's if you have two good attacking fullbacks, you can do a lot of damage, right? Liverpool's been doing that for years, um, in a way that like the Man City setup does not um and both teams having great success whichever way they're going so uh yeah a lot of positives and uh i think for me the one thing is i i i, I am very curious to see how the midfield lines up the majority of the time right if atuesta is playing uh as an eight or a six I, he's going to be effective in either role. I think he's far more effective as, as a holding mid, like I said. Um, his kind of like casualness on the ball in the box is what gives away the the ball for the Jordan Morris, Jordan Morris counterattack. Aaron Long does a good job to close, uh, to close down Morris, who's not as good as everybody thinks. <laughs> That he is, he's he's a he's a good MLS player, right? He he and Roldan are the ones that we always point to as like the contracts that keep your franchise afloat and performing really well. Um, but Aaron Long chases him down, fouls him, and they end up with a penalty. And it's all kind of because like Atuesta's just kind of goofing around on the ball. Now I think everybody's being rather casual because they're up two nil at that point, right? 
uh, getting to be later in the game, but love to see some more awareness on like, hey, let's just hold on to this ball. It doesn't have to stay on your foot in the opposing 18 this entire time. Yeah, but I think with that too, it's a much different LAFC team he's coming back to than when he left, right? The team that he left was if he does, if he is that casual, you had you had Blessing and 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 Mark Anthony K that are going to buzz around and try and make those recoveries, you know, from behind. If you if he if he finds himself in that position yeah. here, because you find him, you know, he he finds him in a place where everyone is pushing forward on the counter, which is what this team is does now, right? It's the counter attack is where where LAFC is most deadly. You know, I I think it'll just take some time for him to understand that game model and understand understand his positioning where he's going to need to be, you know, because he, he has the quality to not give that ball up, right? We know he's, yeah, he's, he's one of the most press-resistant press forwards. Yeah. I mean, the forwards, press-resistant midfielders that the league has seen, right? Best yeah. 11 quality, all these different things. And I will say, I think that time in Brazil has given him a bit of an edge. I don't know if you noticed this. Um, I was listening to our friends over at The Voice of the Black and Gold, and Eric pointed out, because I think he's a big Palmeiras guy, Mm-hmm. His wife is, and his wife's family is, is like all Palmeiras. But that if you watch him play, like Atuesta just like plays through people in a way that he, I don't think he did. Remember, he's like famously Olaid that the, one of the Seattle guys in that playoff game. And you're just like, why mm-hmm. don't, why aren't you getting stuck in there? This game, if you watch, watch him, he is not having any of it. Right, just physical yeah. as can be in a way that I, I wasn't giving. He's coming off that ACL, um, was pleasantly surprised with. Right, and, and like I said, I think if he can maintain some of that that edge, it'll it'll go well for for this team. That like I said, I think when you have Tillman and Ilya, there is probably something that they're going to lack lack in in the post Kellen Acosta era. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I, again a lot of positive things from Saturday and uh, excited to see what they do. Uh, before we get into questions, Josh, I'm not going to let the league off the hook here. Um, I still have major reservations about the league more so than I used to. Uh, I really don't like what's happened with the open cup and how nakedly uh, MLS is just daring us soccer to do something. Um, and to be totally fair, like, so you had like U.S. soccer has professional, like division one professional standards, right? And part of those standards is that you participate in the U.S. soccer tournaments, meaning the Open Cup. So MLS saying that they're not going to do it is a violation of those standards. So U.S. soccer could strip MLS of its D1 status if they wanted to. And they would be perfectly within their right now. Are they going to do that? No, but that is part of the problem is the incestuous relationship between the Federation and the league. And to be honest, I'm, I'm kind of done with us soccer, just bowing down to MLS. And I'm done hearing the argument that, Oh, they've been so good for soccer for professional soccer in the country can't, why can't you just be happy that there's a professional league? I, I am happy. There's a professional league, right? You and I have, this is now our 177th episode <laughs> covering, covering this franchise. Right. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there aren't structural problems 
with the league itself and with U.S. soccer. And that's got to be sorted out. It yeah. has to be. It also mean it does also doesn't mean like it also in that sense also like just because they've done what they have also doesn't mean they shouldn't always be held to the highest yeah. standard. Yeah. Right. And and I think that's where that's where we've we've always seen we where you and I have always probably not seen eye to eye with a a, a lot of um, U.S. soccer fans. Right. Yeah. Whether it's of the ML, the MLS, of the national team, of the women's national team, right? It's like if you were to, if you, a lot of times, it's like I said, if you, if you were to be critical in any way, rightfully or not, right? It's it's you. It it again. It it mirrors our political climate. It mirrors some of the, the yeah, unfortunate yeah. Di- you know the unfortunate interactions that we've we now see as a regular part of our our interactions. Whereas the way that it should be, right, is like that all that feedback should be considered in the try and making it the best, yeah, the best yeah. organization possible. And I think, like I said, though the the defense, it's it's always that one thing where it's like if you attack the league, then you're attacking me, you know, me personally or attacking the team. I'm like, yeah, no, 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 right? Like, you know, like we're we're fans of LAFC. We we'll lo- we like watching LAFC play in MLS. But because of that, we have to always demand more. And I think this is where yeah, yeah. the league yeah. falls short and where they often, you know, like I said, they often play on the sentiment of the fan base. Right. And and again, I, I think it 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 it's mirroring to what we see in in the national conversation, you know, in terms of just yeah. how we interact as interact as like next to each other, right? Um, I think I think that it's very similar, and, I, and unfortunately, I think the league uses it as a way to distract from their 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 shortcomings, right? Because yeah, you know, I think like I said, we should be able to look at the league and like I said, and be critical and, and expect more, right? But then they'll they'll the the line from from state media and the line from the the people that are overprotective of it will basically just pit you as, you know, you hate everything MLS related or something along yeah. the line, right? You're right. a Euro right. snob or whatever it may be. And again, our our position, specifically more you than than I, right, comes from what you see on the grassroots level, not not just not just yeah. like at, at the national level, right? So like, I think, yeah, I think I think this is where there's there's a lot of room for people to like see it a little more clearly, right? Where when you see what it does to the youth game, um, and this is this is beyond promotion relegation. This is beyond just having an open system. I mean, it really is an open system. Like the benefit of an open system is that like the youth club that I run, for example, if it were an open system, we could much more easily have a professional first division or not first division, but just a professional first team is what I mean. Um, where the boys that I train have something that they're working towards, right? And it's a club philosophy from the first team, U23, U19, U17, all the way down through the academy. And it's something that you work towards. And if you don't make that first team, then guess what? There's another first team in town or there's another first team somewhere else in the state where you can go 
apply your talents, right? Um, and the thing is, is then it's an actual functioning club and it's an actual academy system. And the problem with specifically, and I, this it does tie directly into the Open Cup, specifically with the Open Cup, the way the MLS is handling it, they're demanding 40% of the draw at away games, even against USL, right? Or USL, whoever they're, they're up against. So MLS is effectively saying, and we'll just put a fine point on it and talk about here in Arizona, even though I'm not associated with Phoenix Rising. They're saying if LAFC were to draw Phoenix Rising and come to Phoenix to play them, LAFC would take 40% of the ticket revenue, right? When in reality, that money should go to Phoenix Rising because they are a much smaller team with fewer resources and they have an academy system that can benefit from that. And what, but I mean, MLS what's, is saying isn't what's customary we don't in, care. in the FA Cup is that even for the for the home leg, the the Premier League side usually donates all that proceeds yeah. to grow yeah. the to grow the, the right. grassroots. Yes. And so it and they like it would be so easy to do that. But Don Garber sees it, and I think he's quoted as saying this every dollar that's not spent on MLS in the US is a waste, right? If you spend a dollar, I don't know, I don't remember the exact quote or how it is that it's said, but essentially any any dollar that's spent on soccer in the US, not on MLS is a waste. Um, and that attitude is so offensive to me because the game itself is so much bigger than the 29 MLS teams throughout this entire country. The game is what my boys play and what all of our listeners' kids play and what they play themselves, right? What the listeners play in their adult leagues. That's the game. And so for Don Garber to say that it's a waste, and again, it could be you could you could write this off as a flippant statement, as a straw man argument on my behalf, but that's the attitude from MLS. If no, it doesn't but, happen in one of our stadiums, it doesn't happen. Yeah, but I mean I but I think that also gets like him saying that, right? Is again, t- part of me thinks it's 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 a, it's an elitist attitude, right? That is pervasive amongst yeah, yeah. all yeah. our society in that sense, right? Where it's like, if all the funds need to go to what we think is best, because what we think is best is best, yeah, right. And and again, it takes away from what makes sports special, right? Because right. again, at the end of the day. Right, I can. I want LAFC to win every game, right? But as professionals, they go home to their to their nice homes and to their families, and you know, and they're going to do well for themselves. And they generally aren't going to care one way or another how I feel about a particular game. Nor should yeah. they, right? Carlos and we, you and I have talked extensively about how I kind of get Carlos Vela's mindset, right? Because as as dads. I, I get it, right? That's the priority. But also, yeah. in that same sense, right? Like, that's that's how, that's really where that should, you know, like I said, to me, the that's where the focus, where a lot of the, a lot of what we do as, an, as, Nash, as a national organization, that's where the focus should be, right? It's on, on that level and on the level of making sure that, you know, the game stays alive within the country because, again, yeah. it's, it's the way it's it's not even just it's not even just the, this attitude of 
that it's MLS or bust basically, right? That, that elite MLS attitude. It's not just that. It's that at the grassroots level, you've now created a pervasive culture of pay to play beyond that. Yeah. So because you have to pay to get into that system. Yes. And this is like the second order effect of them taking over everything or saying, we're not going to compete in open cup or whatever tournament we're supposed to compete in is that it delegitimizes all that stuff. Right? So by MLS saying, no, 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 no. we're going to go do leagues cup instead because then we get all the money and all the resources and we don't have to share it with anybody else. Right? That further solidifies them as the monopoly. Right? And so they don't have to go to Phoenix and help the Phoenix rising Academy grow by adding dollars to that market. Uh, and so by extension, the kids playing youth soccer in Phoenix or in Flagstaff where I am, right, have fewer opportunities. <laughs> and the Phoenix Rising Academy, which I'm not a big fan of, to be totally honest, doesn't have the same amount of resources to help the kids here in Arizona where there's no MLS team, right? And so MLS then get, gains more control the because this is an RSL market, right? So now the only game in town is RSL for in terms of like the big, the big club academies, right? And so they just continue to take all the resources and then they, they make it worse by saying, oh, well now it's going to be MLS next pro. And they're going to sell this illusion to all the parents all over the nation that if you play on a team that plays an MLS next pro and pays their fees to their pockets, then now they're going to have a chance to go play division one uh, professional soccer in MLS because they're already in the system, right? When in reality, they're just charging 12 grand a year for these families to buy uniform, train with their training, the quote unquote, their system, right? Which is closed at the youth, at the youth level, uh, remarkably and, and travel around the Southwest to play these games. So why, if did, they, why they, does, they, Kurt, can you answer this one question for me real quick? Sorry. Why yeah. does this feel like this mirrors the the setup of the U.S. educational system? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it's it's the of way a lot of things education. work in the U.S., right? right? Because, but I think that's it's corporate capture at the highest yeah, level. That's exactly it. Smaller smaller clubs get captured by the bigger clubs because they have access to the premier, the quote unquote premier. Uh, they have like. If you want to draw a religious example, they have the the papal blessing, right? They have the MLS blessing because they play in MLS Next Pro or whatever it is, um, whatever whatever elite league they play in ECNL, whatever the thing is. They the big clubs get access to that, and so the local independent clubs that might be doing things the right way, you have no idea unless you get to know the club. Don't they they lose out because they don't have those same resources and opportunities. Anyway, yeah. long diatribe. No, I mean, like I said, I that this is why I I do hope this message gets out there because ultimately, right? It's it's the one that I think we we will stand behind, and this is the hill that we're always willing to down as it pertains to yeah. the sport. And beyond that, it's also the one that I think the 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 beauty of soccer and the people that have grown soccer 
ha, you know have that was it was always their mindset but a lot but a lot have forgotten in this new yeah when, when in the, in this new era right where again what they the beauty of what they did has now been co-opted by you know by corporations right again you yeah. see it all the time how often does a good message get co-opted by corporate corporations and it just loses any meaning behind it so right right yeah and so i i you are right this is a hill that i will die on um i like i'm not gonna lie i am conflicted uh about even recording the show and you know watching like trying to enjoy the league this year because of how naked like this how naked of a power grab this is from mls um and that's like I'm going to continue to talk about it. It's I will continue to watch because it's something that I can do with my kids that everybody like we can all relate to in such an easy way. Um, but like it's, I think I think the supporters and all of us that have shows we need to be vocal about this. Um, it's like the St. Louis supporter that apparently had his season ticket status threatened because he took a, a sign into the stadium that said the open cup matters and they threatened to take his season tickets away. Like that kind of, that kind of nonsense cannot be allowed to stand. And in a, in an environment, in an open system, the supporters groups have way more power too. look at what they do in Germany. Again, 50 plus one rule. Got it. It's again, it's different over there in a positive way. Um, but imagine what the yellow wall that Borussia Dortmund would be doing with that, right? They would not be standing for it. There, there. If you ask me, there should be tifos in every single stadium across MLS the for the entire season, haranguing the league for this until the league changes, uh, changes suit, or until USSF actually gets some balls and puts Don Garber's feet to the fire. But anyway, I'll yeah. get off that soapbox for now. I mean, I'm sure this isn't the last conversation we'll have about this, but definitely. I will be talking about this every single episode this season and until, until it's fixed. I'm so, here for it. So let's do buckle it. up people. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's some questions. The first one is from Yo-Yo Torre 66. Good start, but let's also recognize that LAFC played against backup uh, goalkeeper could on score two goals could only score two goals okay they uh, need a number nine but i guess we have to wait till summer three points is thumbs up yeah i mean i i think again they they performed they performed fine was it spectacular no is it gonna is it gonna knock your socks off no uh is it yeah, i mean Wanga probably could have had a hat trick yeah. on missed opportunities so yeah you know it's fair. like one of the it's like like I, I do think they 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 un for as well as they played they still underperformed their xG like it, it's yeah it's one of these situations where if I didn't see any chance creation it's a whole different story but how many times did we yeah, see yeah. one of the fullbacks come up or or one of the wingers come hit a ball across the face of goal and it's just out the reach of the forward yeah yeah or it's just, you know so and that timing comes to me and like I said it's one of those things if you're gonna ex- if I think Bogus will eventually find the timing to get on the end of it, right? Or or Buang, yeah. you know, you're playing with new guys, right? Like, you know, Compost is new, you know, like you're you're having guys that are, haven't quite figured out how to play together or are playing in different roles. So I think 
by the time it's all said and done, I'm, you know, I, th- I think you'll, it'll probably look a lot cleaner with more reps because again, we also have to factor in that how many of these guys didn't, didn't even factor in preseason, right? Buanga came right. like the last game or two, if that, right. And was mm-hmm. gone for a, the first part of the preseason. David Martinez just got there. Um, Atuesta just, just got there. So, you know, I, I definitely think there's probably, um, there's definitely an opportunity to, I mean, I, not opportunity, but I think definitely think we have to probably wait and see a little bit more before I can make, make again, I think on both sides, right? I'm not going to be too positive because again, the Seattle team, they didn't have Albert Rusnak. They didn't, they're missing some guys, you know, but at the same time, if they're missing guys, I expect LAFC to punish them and they did what they were supposed yeah. to do, right? Wasn't yeah. as, as maybe not as grand as we were hoping for, but I will say they looked in, con- they looked in control without being actually in possession the majority of the game, right? Which is, what, yeah, yeah. Which is what I think they look for. Right. Um, the one thing that I, I just kind of dawned on me, as he says, they need a number nine, but I guess we'll have to wait for summer. Uh, they signed Gonzalez in the summer. Chicho was a summer signing. They really haven't signed any other center forwards to speak of. Right. Dio, I think, summer. was a summer signing. Yeah, remember because Velo left for the World Cup and then Dio came in around yeah. July. So, I mean, it's no surprise. Like Their big marquee signings tend to take place in the summer. Uh, JT's been very open about that, taking advantage of that of the main window being open. To target and from players. a contract perspective too, right? Doesn't it give you a lot more flexibility? Half season, yeah, they come in for half a season, so you can kind of get yourself into playoff contention and then add, you know, add all these guys on reduced contracts. Um, but I, I think this is the way it's going to be, guys. Like, there, this is this is when they're going to sign strikers in the off season, and until they find one that fits this whatever whatever the mold is that they're looking for again i don't know what it is because they had it in chicho and they had something effective in chicho and he was gone right uh until they until they land on it i think this is it's going to continue to be a carousel where you play for four months without it but anyway uh people around in and around mls keep flirting with the idea of Griezmann coming in i i think uh like I, I don't I don't know what to believe with Tom Bogert and Matt Doyle because they don't take anything seriously. Uh, well, they take everything seriously until you ask them a serious question and then everything becomes a joke. So you never know what like what you're supposed to believe with those guys. Um, but I guess sure he's kind of old or now. I mean, I think he's got like 18 or 19 goals across all competitions this year, but. Uh, I don't. I don't think he solves all the problems for LAFC and just puts them all the way over the top. But who knows? Yeah, he's. I mean, he's always functioned as more of a second forward, right? More than anything else. Yeah, yeah. At least, in, I, mean, I mean, again, it's with Atletico, right? So he kind of is the second guy behind the target guy. Yeah, and I mean, it's you know, I, I guess that's a good comparison to be quite honest. Somebody that's gonna do a lot of counterattacking. Uh, historically, I guess that's not really the case this year for them. But anyway, we'll see what happens in the summer. 
All right, Tom Camilleri, welcome back after the uh, offseason, Tom. I know it's only the first game, but should we be worried about all, all? Should we be worried already about depth that only sees two subs, both after eighty minutes? Great to see out to West up back, and I liked the Larice distribution channels. Uh, I, I'm yeah, I'll continue to be worried about depth. It seems like always with this team, right? Uh, they're gonna be skinny in a couple spots by design. They're only ever gonna have three fullbacks. One of them is going to be a swing fullback, right? Uh, I think they'll probably have to make another signing at center back. Um, with De La, his name's De La Valle, right? Mm -hmm. De La, uh, with him being out with an ACL injury. Uh, because as of right now, they only have the three, right? Mario Long Segura. Yeah, and I think what's his name? Noah Dolenmeyer from LFC 2 was the oh, fourth. So, yeah, they have deal. three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, oddly enough, I mean, I think the midfield is is pretty full-ish. If you, I mean, you have uh, Tuesta, Ilie, Tillman, Bogush, Duenas, Martinez, maybe. Um, yeah, I feel like you're gonna Martinez and Bogush are gonna be the ones that you, you're continually trying to figure out where where they slot. Yeah. They're gonna slot in where they can be effective. I mean, if if you sign a striker, all of a sudden the midfield is packed because yeah. it move, it bumps Bogus back to where he should be, right? Um, but I guess I, we'll just have to find out eventually. Um, next one is from at Eswold11. Do you think Vela watched the game? If so, does he want to come back? Does he say he's done or move on? I mean, the one thing that makes the most sense, honestly, with these Griezmann rumors i guess you could call them that they're not really but like we know they're bros and we know they've been trying to link up for a long time since since they last played together so could i see vela saying yeah i'll come back when you bring my homeboy back over then yeah i could 100 see carlos vela saying that like i'm not i'm not going back out until you either pay me or give me my buddy but who knows i i, I don't i don't know my wife had some thoughts about this today, so she'll be happy that I bring this up on the pod. But she, again, I, her her thought was, like I said, if he really wanted to be there, he would have been there in some form or another, right? My counter is that I don't know if it's great for contract negotiations, if he's just trying to max out that, max out, get the max amount of his deal to, to make himself yeah. available. But... I'm also of I'm also of the also of the thinking that I'm not you can't you can you have to resist overpaying him no matter how much of an emotional attachment we have to him. Yeah. Yeah. Right and I think that that's where you're going to find yourself if he does if he does some of these things um is that you're going to end up paying him probably more more than he's worth. Um, because again, it's one thing, it's one thing for him to not care and then be very effective. It's a whole nother thing for him to not care. And again, in the same way that Vela has always been a, a bit aloof as it pertains to football. Yeah. Um, but then also not be very effective. Right. Again, if, if you're telling me he's going to come in and be a super sub for us and we're going to pay a reasonable amount of money for to him somewhere around like $1.1 million, $1.2 so be it, mm -hmm. right? I'm not. I'm not mad yeah. at it because you reserve your, you reserve your, um, 
DP slots. But if you're going to tell me that we're going to have to overpay um, to make it happen, it's something I probably, you know, even, you know, it's thank you for your time. And I don't know if we can. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think, I mean, this could, if, if there really are talks and again, I realize that I am basing all these assumptions on nothing but innuendo from writers that I don't really care for at MLS, I guess Bogert's technically at the athletic, right? But if I'm basing these assumptions solely on their innuendo, meaning Bogert and Doyle, I could easily see Carlos saying, yeah, I'll take less money because I understand that the league is limited and we have to go get Griezmann. And in order to do that, he has to be a DP, which means that I will no longer be a DP. So that makes sense to me. That makes perfect sense to me. Um, I think it's a positive sign that he hasn't signed anywhere else for him wanting to stay. And that could, I mean, it could literally be JT still on the phone negotiating with somebody and giving Carlos like, Hey, not Griezmann, but this guy, we have an, you know, it, they could be as simple as that. And you know what? I, I have a, I got to sign this DP, but we still want you back. Um, and it could just all be up in the air at this point. So who knows? But the fact that he's not gone, gone, I think is a positive sign. Okay. Um, LAFC Luke. Omar Campos picked up right where Cheeky left off. And then some Atuesta looked as good as I remembered, if not better. Bowanga had eyes for goal and claimed the crossbar three times. So it's a matter of time for him. Mati has only gotten better and great to see Segura out there. Uh, I feel like we covered a lot of this, but I mean, really good observations from Luke here. Great point about Bowanga just hitting the woodwork so many times and coming close to really blowing the doors off of this thing. Uh, and you kind of mentioned compost picking right up where, yeah. where Chiki I think the off. only thing that, though, my only art it was like our, what we talked about at Twesta and our reserves, it's like he's got to figure, either figure out a way to, to play better. He has to figure out a way to play better with Ilya if that's going to be the lineup, mm. you know, or, yeah, yeah. or just make sure that the balance, they kind of find a way to balance it because, like you're saying, it, it does leave some things to be desired in terms of some of the positioning and how, how they approach it. But if you're going to tell me that Astoas is going to be back threading balls into Buanga, hey, I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next one, Somber Amarath. I like what I'm seeing from Atuesta. Brazil has definitely been good for him. I also like how much more mature Kike's decision-making is looking. I'll have to go back and watch more closely uh, to what Kike was up to in this, in this match. Um, I was admittedly watching from a soccer tournament, like from the sidelines as I was coaching. So I, uh, there were parts of this game where I, I wasn't able to watch super close. Um, but, uh, not to take his word for it here. Uh, next one, Olivia Hennessy, really impressed with Omar Campos. Oliveira reminded me of B-Rod, not the first person to comment this. Uh, and that's not a good thing. So, um, to that, I will say, they're a bit different. I, I get it because, you know, like there was a lot of times where you see where uh, Oliveira kind of just dribbles into traffic and nothing, not a whole lot comes of it. But, but Oliveira is willing to make the run that B-Rod was never. Yeah. Right. And that's Better the thing. The it's like, for sure. he off the ball, he's going to stretch. He makes a third man run. He's not always sitting there asking for the ball at feet in the way that Rodriguez tended to do 
which often hurt your buildup when he's not on it, right? Yeah. On the ball, yeah. Rodriguez could be special. He's probably better than Oliveira's on the ball specifically. Um, but if you're going to tell me who gives more, and then especially defensively, the pre- I will say the press looked excellent, right? And mm. it's the fastest I've seen it look in a very long time. Again, that's probably due to the removal of Carlos Vela from the starting lineup. Yeah. But um, it looked effective. It looked fast. It looked it looked suffocating. Um, and again, I think the other guys fit right in. It's, I, but like I said, I think with as it pertains to Oliveira, um, he does so many so many things outside of outside of being on the ball and dribbling at people that I think, like I said, I'm willing to give him a far. I mean, at least the amount of grace that we gave Brian Rodriguez, which was yeah, a few yeah. years worth. I'm not. I'm not going to write him off just yet. Uh, next comment. It's this directly. La banda popular uh, is Christian Oliveira actually Brian Rodriguez in a wig. <laughs> so continuing the sentiment, but already answered. Darmalia is next. Wow, the defensive line needs some chemistry. With a short preseason, I can see they need more time together. We should have played better against a depleted Sounders team. I thought uh, Hugo had a good showing. Great vision to start the attack. Honest question: Do we need Bella? Uh, yeah, I think you do, because I don't know where else these wingers are coming from. Look at look at who came in to to help on the wing, right? Palencia came in so you can move Hollingshead forward. Now, I like Ryan's, Ryan Hollingshead as the fourth attacker, fifth attacker, sixth attacker. I don't want him as the third attacker on the team. Uh, there's a reason he moved from winger to right back in the first place um, when he turned pro. And I think you need to be okay with that, right? And so it's not that Vela needs to come back and be a 90 minute a game guy. It's he's got to come back and fill his role, which might be 90 minutes, sometimes 60 minutes, others 30 minutes, others. Uh, but yeah, he's not going to have the same, same kind of role. Yeah. He needs to be probably a super sub, give you something different, give you some control when there, you may not have it, or just so another extra person on the field to unlock a defense when they're, when they're really packing it in. So, Yeah. Zach Brown, no to Ilya's cornrows. And I'm genuinely cur- curious what your thoughts are regarding how Martinez will fit into this attack ahead of the summer transfer window. Also, what would you guys look for from El Profe next time out? Uh, <laughs> Ilya's cornrows are certainly a choice. I, uh, I I was really hoping that question was discuss Ilya's cornrows, not just no, because I yeah. love it every bit of it. So... Um, <laughs> It just reminds me just of really going for it. Yeah, growing up in the early two thousands with the N one N one culture. <laughs> Either that, or he he, does, looks he doesn't like have the handles for it. Though is, is yeah. the problem. Yeah, or somewhere like it looks like he could just he could have just come off the cruise ship in Puerto Rico or something like that. <laughs> I know I've seen that guy somewhere. Just a matter, yeah. With uh, with some burnt scalp yeah. lines on. I mean, may, maybe he's head. making a play to move down to Miami and be their six. I don't Who know. Knows? With that Who knows? With that haircut. Uh, as far as where David Martinez will line up, I man, I I really don't know. Again, I think because he's so young, uh, I, I it's hard to say. It's easy to see him slotting in down that right side of the attack eventually once Vela's gone and kind of some of the you know once he's ready for 
uh, first division play. Uh, but I, I don't know how long that's going to take. So it's hard to say how or if he's going to slot into this attack really at all this year. But, you know, he'll probably get, well, I was going to say he might get open cup minutes, but he probably won't. <laughs> so <laughs> League's cup minutes, Kirk, league's cup. Yeah. Right, right. The, the more important one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what when you, you play Vancouver for, for the thirty seventh time? This right. Season? Yeah, absolutely. From out to west, the next time out, I, um, I, I want to see him. I want to see him get involved with playmaking again, the way that he did uh, a few years back. That's what I want to see from him. Not necessarily having to be the guy. Maybe maybe he's the pass before the pass, right? Which is what he did a lot. He and Vela had a special connection as well, so he would play directly to Vela on the wing. If you can get that kind of thing going with Bowanga, good night. Um, or if you can just get him to see the guy that can set up Bowanga, then that's great too. Uh, next one, Alan Kine. All in all, a pretty solid uh, game one start. Front foot. First half was nice. Still need another goal, dangerous attacker. I don't think Maddie and Tillman, uh, the Maddie and Tillman goals have much repeatability. So it's still the Boanga show, and we need to be able to punish teams more effectively on the counter. That, I mean, that's a great point that you're not going to get those kind of goals. You're not going to get Bogus's game uh, goal every game, right? For sure. He's but, not going to hit that curler like Vela used to. But what's repeatable is the setup to the, to that goal. Right, and I, I same think, thing I for think the setting, other. yeah. Right, where you have yeah. the third, you have the off-ball runs from Campos and Buanga, that that make that create the room. Again, for the last few years, we haven't seen that. Right, like when was the last time that you saw, you know, and we used to talk about it all the time as it pertained to Christian Ramirez or Dio, how they used to make mm-hmm. that flash run across the face of goal that gives Vela that just extra fa- bit of space. Same thing, and it, this time it was Buanga, and then the, and then Campos on the overlap. And then the other thing too is that they said with Campos making that that run, do you have a a midfielder that's crashing the box in the half space? Even though he almost ran into Buanga, you know, again, usually there are midfielders in that position are are not in position to be able to receive that pass. Tillman there sees the positioning of Buanga, gives himself the appropriate amount of space, and when he realizes that Buanga doesn't have the angle to that ball, is able to take that strike. You know. And, and make something happen. So, again, like he's right in the sense that, like, yeah, they're spectacular goals, but the lead-up to me is where I want to see those those that those patterns of play re- repeated um, because, again, the off-ball movement is everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, we'll have to see. I, I certainly think you can get six or seven assists from Campos throughout the year. Uh, all right, next one, EB Hate. I'm not sure how I feel about the long Murray combo. They both seem clumsy to me back there. Huge save right at the gate. 7-0 and in home openers, and I've been there for all of them. Hey, that's pretty awesome. Semper Fi, he says. Uh, hey, thank you. I assume that means you're a Marine, but I can't guarantee that for sure. <laughs> in which case, I either need to say uh, or Semper Fi, or I'm sorry for <laughs> also being suckered. I don't know. Depends on how you take it. Uh, uh, I Everybody knows my feelings on Aaron Long at this point, right? Uh, I think he's massively overrated. 
massively overpaid, but you got to have him at this point because you're out of center backs. So, uh, yeah. Anything on this he one, fits. Josh? He fits far better in Dolo's system than he does Bob's. Let's put it that way. If if he's if this is Bob's, yeah. I'm probably pulling my hair out. In Torrenlo's system, where he's just really just there to clean up the mess and be physical, I don't. You know, again, he as long as I don't have to hear about him, then that's he's doing a great job in my book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. All right. Last one at JZAHLAFC. I think this is a new person here. Uh, Larice had some impressive passes, broke some lines a couple of times. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you see like what a real goalkeeper does, right? No disrespect to any of the other past LAFC goalkeepers, but this is like what somebody with that kind of skill set does. Yeah. I mean, right. obviously Max Max had some of those qualities and what did something yeah. similar. But the one thing, and the, so I we watched the, obviously the LAFC game and then, then the next day, um, my wife and I sat down to watch the the Miami Galaxy game, um, and obviously McCarthy's to see McCarthy and goal for Galaxy as a starter, right? Which was yeah. shocking. Um, but the one thing that you'll notice is just like I remember there was, for the last since 2016. How many times have we had to hold our breath when that ball's in the air coming off a corner? Yeah, yeah. Right? Right. I don't I don't ever remember feeling that sense of worry in this match with Lloris. He just felt like mm. he was in complete control the whole time, right? And like I said, they get their goal off a off a penalty kick, you know, and then that's that's not necessarily on him, right? But you know, I you know, when you when you look at it, he just like I said, he prevents he, it's it's truly one of those things to see. And then again, the, the, the pass he has early in the game to spring the counter is one that is just world-class that you don't see often in, in major league soccer. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different level of technique and understanding of the game. That's what it comes down to. And it comes from playing, uh, in a better Academy system for years and years and years and playing against better competition for years and years and years, uh, which ties us back into our open cup discussion. I was about <laughs> like, to say, you can't, you can't develop those skills in MLS next pro. Nope. <laughs> because the parody and competition there is manufactured as well. It's all, it's all just by papal blessing, man. The Catholics are taking a beating in this one. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> it's okay. I have the statue behind me to, to... <laughs> right. <laughs> That's why it's on my mind. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. All right. Um, Josh, anything else to get to tonight? No. Like I said, thank you everyone for bearing with us. Thank you everyone for coming back and and going down this journey with us. That is the Counterpress Podcast. Um, we again always con- um, encourage everyone to continue to listen, share you know, uh, interact with us on Twitter or X, whatever, whatever places you can find us. We're always, you know, willing to have that discussion. Um, again, this is, this is what we love to do. So yeah. yeah. You can tweet at us at counterpress underscore me at Kirk Kinsey, Josh, LAFC Josh. All right, there it is. We look forward to hearing from you all and good night. Good night.